Hello and welcome to Real Advice, Real Talk, a new podcast from the Real Estate Council of BC. Each episode will explore a timely real estate topic with experts from the council, lawyers and other industry insiders. And just a reminder, the content of this podcast is provided for general informational purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice. If you do need legal advice, you should always contact a lawyer. With that out of the way, this is episode number one, The Fundamentals of Agency. I'm your host, Elise Palmer, a communications specialist here at the Council, and today I'm joined by Maureen Coleman, our Manager of Professional Standards, and Bruce Woolley, an external legal counsel. Well, let's jump into the first question, and Bruce, what is agency when it comes to real estate? Well, agency generally is a relationship where one person, the principal, hires another person, the agent, to act on their behalf. And you hire agents maybe because you're not capable of doing it yourself, you don't have time, there are a number of reasons. In real estate, usually it's because you don't have the expertise that's required. So a principal, for example, a seller, would hire an agent to act on their behalf to list the house for sale, get potential buyers, do the contract of purchase and sale, all of those things that really require some kind of expertise. Now, quite often when you hire an agent, like a courier, they don't owe you any special duties other than just to deliver the parcel. When you hire an agent in a real estate transaction, you are hiring what's called a fiduciary, a person who's in a position of trust. And there are many fiduciary duties, we can talk about those later, but you're really hiring someone in a position of trust to give you proper advice. So Maureen, what does that type of relationship between uh, a consumer and an agent mean when it comes to real estate? Well, I I thought it was great that um, Bruce made the differentiation between simply being an agent and being a fiduciary agent. Uh, When consumers call me, the uh, dynamics of a relationship between a licensee and their client is often misunderstood by the client. The client will phone and say, you know, I've asked them to do this or I've told them to do that and I just can't get anywhere. And I'll, in in a lighthearted way sometimes, say, remind them that you're the boss. And they're like, I'm the boss? So it would be in licensee's best interests to actually give value to their role as an agent by spending time up front with a consumer, explaining to them how when they take on the role as an agent of a buyer or seller, they are delivering undivided loyalty. That's a hugely powerful position for the principal to be in, but also it's a, a great burden of responsibility on a licensee, but it indicates to the consumer they're your guy or gal, as the case may be, <laughs> but it's uh, an agency relationship is fundamental to the complex business of real estate where most, not all, but most consumers don't have the sophistication to safely navigate the waters of a real estate transaction. And if they have an agent who is a trusted advisor with special expertise, I certainly would feel better. So you mentioned loyalty, which is we all know it's one of the duties. Bruce, can you go through some of the other special fiduciary duties that are that are involved in agency? Yes, and, and I think as I go through those, it's good to keep in mind that the fiduciary is in a position of trust. 
So it's like going to the doctor or the lawyer, for example. So when you talk to your doctor or lawyer, you expect absolute confidentiality. Even the fact that you visited the doctor is confidential. So as a real estate licensee, you owe a duty of confidentiality not to talk about your client's affairs or even the transaction itself or the fact you've been consulted, unless it's public, because you're in the position of trust. You have the duty of loyalty. That means to act in their best interest at all the time. You have the duty of full disclosure. Keep in mind, it's the client's house. It's not your house. So whatever information that you get that's relevant to the client, you need to fully and absolutely disclose to the client. So those are sort of major fiduciary duties. The duties of, of loyalty and acting in their best interest generally end once the transaction is completed, once it's closed. The duty of confidentiality goes with you to the grave. It never ends. And are there any, so are there any other kind of um, misconceptions or can, or misunderstandings that consumers have about, about these duties? I, I think there are, Elise. I think that licensees, not all, of course, there's many seasoned professionals that do a very good job of explaining their role as the agent of a buyer or seller. But I think licensees uh, tend not to spend enough time um, educating or informing their clients. And from our point of view, an informed consumer is a well-protected consumer. And again, I'll just reference to what I said before. I think that licensees that don't spend a lot of time discussing the relationship with their uh, clients up front are doing themselves a disservice because they really can bring a lot to the table. Uh, there, there are so many intricacies depending on whether you're buying a farm or commercial real estate or dealing with a lease or a sublease or a strata or a single family. There's areas of special expertise that licensees can bring to the table that a consumer, again, they're sophisticated consumers that we're not overly worried about, but for the regular consumer that only a handful of times in their life might engage in a trade in real estate or a lease, they need that expertise and licensees can provide that. And I think sometimes the less sophisticated consumers or the one-timers, because there isn't that full disclosure to the client of what you're going to do, view the real estate licensee sometimes a bit more as a, a marketer mm -hmm. rather than a professional on whom they can rely. If I can just um, continue on that line that Bruce has raised, um, there's some industries that have a know-your-client rule. Um, in the legislation that we regulate, that isn't expressly there, but what a good idea. Get to know your client. Give them the, them the assurances that everything they tell you, you will keep confidential. And then it gives a better working relationship. One of the things that I often tell licensees is don't let your client abdicate their responsibility as the principal. As a licensee, you advise, but they decide. They're the principal. So you have to empower your clients uh, to feel confident in making decisions based on your seasoned advice. So let's back up one step um, and talk about how the actual relationship um, of agency is created. How, how is that created in real estate? In real estate, there are going to be 
two main agency relationships, the seller with the listing brokerage or the buyer with the buyer's brokerage. And it's created by, in the case of a seller, a licensee approaching a seller and having what is normally called a listing uh, presentation where they talk about what kinds of services that they can provide and appropriate disclosures will be made and we'll talk about those later. Uh, but after there's been a good discussion and a presentation of the kinds of services that that licensee can provide, if the seller wants to have those services, then the seller and the listing brokerage will enter into what's called a listing agreement. It's a contract that says, these are the things I will do, these are the things you, consumer, will do, and this is how I will be paid. And normally under that listing contract, which is with the real estate company, then the company or the brokerage will appoint the person that you're dealing with as the special agent or what they call in the industry the designated agent. Um, and then you mentioned buyers. So how is that relationship different or can it be different, I guess? The buyer agency agreement that we see in British Columbia, uh, like the seller's agency agreement, has a specific time period. The buyer agency agreement tends to be directed towards a specific area or market area and provides normally that the commission will be coming from the seller, but if there isn't enough split between the seller and the buyer, the buyer may be liable for payment of some uh, commission. That's a specific contract. Quite often what happens, and Maureen can elaborate on this, is the buyer strikes up a relationship with a licensee, no formal contract is entered into, and then we have what we call in BC implied buyer agency. And Maureen, what is that? That's when it agency relationship is created through the conduct of the parties rather than by way of a written agreement. Often the implied agency relationship is created almost accidentally which puts the consumer at some risk and it certainly puts the licensee at risk because once you start acting as an agent, as a fiduciary, all of those uh, duties that we've spoken about earlier of undivided loyalty and confidentiality and avoiding conflicts and disclosing conflicts, all of those flow with that relationship. So that relationship shouldn't be created in an accidental fashion. What are what are some of the ways that you can accidentally stumble into this kind of implied agency? Well, it's common for people to go out looking at open houses. And you start looking at open houses and you deal with a licensee in one house that you think, you know, I really like them. I really trust them. So you start discussing with them the fact that this house isn't really what you want, but what you really want is this kind of house at this kind of price. And that licensee starts taking you around and showing you a bunch of properties. And you take them into your confidence, disclose what your highest price is. And that's at some stage along there, the agency relationship is developed. And as a lawyer, one of the things that concerns me is often... Um, it can happen that you're, you're not sort of sure if you're in the implied agency relationship, so you sort of forget who your client really is. And then you may be disclosing information 
not in accordance with the law. For example, you've spent a bit of time with the buyers and you go into an open house where one of your good friends from your brokerage has the listing. Mm -hmm. Really important for you to keep in mind you're in an agency relationship with the buyer. Right. Actually, Elise and Bruce, I just wonder, I, I think at this juncture we have to reference the new rules mm. and how the new rules are going to be speaking to some of the principles that Bruce and I have raised. Under the new rules, um, I'll try to avoid section speak because I <laughs> nobody wants yes, to hear please. that. Yes, um, You are required to make agency disclosure under section 510 as you've always had to but now section uh, oh I'm sorry I'm doing section speak uh, now you have to make that disclosure in writing and the only carve out to that is if you're holding an open house and only giving general information now the reality is a lot of real estate licensees have been trained to develop relationships quickly with consumers and to discover as much information as possible about them in order to qualify them as to whether or not they would be a good candidate to purchase this house. Under the new rules, licensees are going to want to, in their first interaction with a consumer, caution them about, don't give me any of your confidential information. I'm here to provide you with general information. And this would apply to a listing presentation before you've actually been engaged. Explain to them, don't give me your confidential information. I can be assistive and give you general information about the property. And if we decide to go further, there, there are steps that we can take. But here is the agency disclosure form. And licensees will have an obligation to go through that written document. And we're, as you know, developing forms for that. Um, mm -hmm. And then in the event that the consumer decides that they want to be unrepresented, or perhaps they have a licensee that they're working with, but the licensee isn't there. Um, the listing agent, for example, at an open house would be obliged to give them the disclosure to unrepresented parties. So these new disclosure forms, all they're doing is giving greater transparency to what has always been the obligation of licensees of disclosure. But it gives good evidence that the licensee has made that disclosure. These are tools for consumer protection, but they also give the licensee an opportunity to properly and fully disclose what the nature of the representation they are offering. And you know, that's really important when you talk about transparency and consumer protection. Because let me give you a couple of examples of other fiduciary relationships where you don't have these difficulties. Okay? You go to see your doctor. That's a fiduciary relationship. There's no doubt the doctor is in a fiduciary relationship because there aren't other doctors hanging around who say, gee, I'd like to examine the ears instead of you examining the ears. Okay? <laughs> you go to see a lawyer. Okay? It's clear that the lawyer is either acting for you or not acting for you. There doesn't have to be a lot of disclosure. You go to buy a car. Now in the first two examples, the doctor and lawyer are acting for you. You go to buy a car. It's pretty clear that the person who's selling the car, his or her loyalty is to the car dealership and not you. But when it comes to real estate, the way the transactions happen, it's not immediately transparent uh, to the consumer who's acting for who, you know, who's on first. Right. Right. So this is all about taking that process for a very valuable asset and making it clearer, giving more protection, more transparency. So you talked a little bit about, you know, 
the the uh, having multiple doctors. Yeah. And how that doesn't, you know, you technically can go get a second opinion. Yeah. But as a, as a consumer, once you create an agency relationship with a real estate agent, can you, are you tied to that person? How does, how does that work? If you look at the standard buyer agency contract that's in use in British Columbia, it's called an exclusive contract. And that contract says, in relatively plain language, I will only use you in this market area for this period of time. Mm -hmm. So if you went and used another licensee during that time, you may have liability to the first licensee. The reason that licensees are encouraged of having explicit relationships with their clients is so that there is no misunderstanding and that both parties are fully aware of what their respective obligations are. Um, one of the reasons that the independent advisory group came up with the recommendations around dual agency and the prohibition for the most part of dual agency is that the real estate industry since its inception in BC has been very conflict tolerant. But what it comes down to is uh, um, licensees were permitted to resolve conflicts between parties who had uh, opposing interests through different forms of agency without there being an explicit disclosure of what that uh, conflict was. And there have always been disclosure requirements, but I think the IAG observed that there is a risk to consumers because they don't truly understand the degree and nature of the conflict. For example, you want to buy Bruce's house. Well, Bruce wants the highest price possible and, and I the best want, terms. And, and I want the lowest, to pay the exactly lowest. That's exactly right. And you're not going to get that from me. Uh, <laughs> so licensees have, rather than acting as fiduciary agents in many circumstances, have more perceived themselves as facilitators. And not saying that there haven't been hundreds of thousands, in fact, millions of trades done successfully, but it doesn't come down to the fundamentals of agency. And these new rules are making real estate licensees really reflect on what are those fundamentals. We talked a lot about how when it goes right. Can we just uh, talk a little bit about what kind of complaints do we get uh, from the public, Maureen, about what kind of questions are people asking about agency and concerns they have? Well, I, I raised the first one about people when they phone me and I empower them by saying, call your licensee right now, remind them you're the client. They love that. It's, it's, it's a very happy <laughs> phone call for me. But what happens with dual agency, and this is why it's so difficult to do well, is one party will feel that they're the other party's interests were preferred over their own because in dual agency, the licensee is supposed to be neutral. But for example, if I'm working for a seller and I've had their house listed for three months, that wouldn't happen in Vancouver right now or anywhere else in the province, but in any event, for I've had a relationship over a period of time and a buyer consumer walks into an open house and they, uh, they and the seller agree to limit to dual agency. Well, it would be really difficult for me not to prefer the interests of the party that I have the long-standing relationship with over the party that I've only just met. That inherent bumping of heads between the intentions of the party or the interests of the parties. Mm -hmm. So it, it's, uh, that, that's a common complaint. 
And I think uh, another really common complaint, and I'm right now talking about people that phone me as a professional standards advisor as opposed to complaints that are going to discipline. So yeah. take that in context, is that the licensees are in a rush and they don't fully explain. So if somebody will say, I was pressured, I didn't understand, I just signed it. So again, that may not be a complaint that goes very far, but why wouldn't you take the time to properly explain matters to your client. I was uh, joking with somebody the other day that we've uh, all gone through the slow food movement and now we're going to go through the slow real estate movement because you really have to be consultive with your clients and ensure that they understand because if they don't understand, if things go wrong, the licensee is going to be the first one that they blame. Maureen raised an interesting point she sees things through the professional standards perspective. Uh, I used to do a number of discipline matters for council and have also been fairly involved with the law society. And a common theme in complaints is poor communication. Absolutely. And, you know, if there was better communication, slower food, we woke <laughs> up, the good chat up front and responses to consumer questions, a lot of these issues would go away. So communications, good communication is absolutely key. The other thing that's important for licensees to keep in mind is we're talking today about professional standards and discipline of licensees in the context of the Real Estate Services Act. But licensees can also face great exposure outside of the regulator, the Real Estate Council. So if you breach your fiduciary duties as a licensee, you can be sued for damages. So fiduciary duties are really important because they can lead to someone suing you in court for money and someone complaining to counsel and they're being disciplined. So the more you fulfill your fiduciary duties and the better communication you have, it's win-win consumer licensee. Well, I think that is a great note to leave it on. Uh, so take the time to make those disclosures and to fulfill your agency duties, even when, as we all know, real estate can move at breakneck speed. Thank you so much, Maureen, and thank you so much, Bruce. Thank you. Thanks, Elise.